the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation, 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm with Dr. John Phillips, and I'm just, you know, back from Italy and tied for the, well, not-so-hot summer California sunshine. Today, our main focus is on how fun in the sun could impact your vascular health. You can ask about stroke prevention, ask about medications, heat and sun exposure, Ask about, um, you know, what you can talk to your doctor about when it comes to your risk of vascular complications this summer. Make sure to call in using this number. Grab your pen and paper, 1-888-367-5329. Again, our call-in number is 1-888-367-5329. Dr. Phillips, coming up later in the show, who do we have for our Save My Piggies? Well, Kim, before we get to that, I, I think this topic is perfect, right? It's the 4th of July weekend. It's hot everywhere, except maybe where you're at in San Francisco. <laughs> oh, I'm wearing a sweatshirt. I'm cold. But Yeah, I mean, here in Wisconsin, it's uh, 80 and sunny. I'm actually, after this, I'm going to a Dave Matthews concert. So, <laughs> so um, But lucky. yeah, no, I'm, 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 looking, I'm looking forward to having this discussion and obviously having my friend uh, George uh, Adams on, on the show as well. But we're going to have a, a, a patient that I've had for a long time by the name of Bill on the Save My Piggies uh, segment. He is the definition of someone who is who just continues to persevere with his PAD. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really excited for him to share a story with uh, the rest, rest of the country. Right, is peripheral artery disease. We've talked about that a number of times in this show, restricted blood flow, mainly in the legs due to plaque buildup. Three in five people who have it end up, um, you know, being heart attack sufferers. So, um, it, it's it's really uh, a difficult disease, so it's really nice to hear the story of someone persevering. Also, you mentioned that Dr. George Adams is here. He's director of cardiovascular and peripheral vascular research and associate professor at Rex Hospital in North Carolina. Hey, Dr. Adams, welcome. Hey, Kim. Uh, hey, John. It's a pleasure to be here with you all. So is it hot or cold there? I mean, it's hot where, where Dr. Phillips is. Where are you, Dr. Phillips? You're on location today. Yeah, I'm actually just outside of Milwaukee visiting family for the holidays. <laughs> yeah, and I'm in North Carolina in Raleigh. It's about 90-something degrees here. It's pretty warm. Oh, my gosh. I need to come your way. If I want to go water skiing or do some fun in the sun, <laughs> I'm just cold here in the Bay Area. Um, 60 degrees. I'm hoping it'll warm up just a little bit. So we are talking today about fun in the sun and its impact on vascular health. We're in the 4th of July weekend. 
what are some of the basics? I mean, Dr. Phillips, have you seen anything, especially with, with the heat that you're exper- you've been experiencing um, over the course of the week um, in your practice? Do you have patients that are coming in with any vascular issues or any guidance that you give vascular patients during this time of extreme heat? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I haven't seen any patients come in with, uh, you know, exertional heat um, uh, symptoms or, or, you know, true hyperthermia or heat stroke or anything like that. But as George and I, you know, talk to our patients in the office, uh, when the when the weather gets warm, we always caution them to, to make sure that they're hydrated. You know, they, they can be on some medications that can cause them to be dehydrated and and load their blood pressure like, you know, diuretics and beta blockers. And so I always try to have a nice little conversation with the patients about, hey, it's getting warmer now. Make sure that you're well hydrated. If you're going to a festival or walking around or doing some exertional activity out there, a lot of times, actually, well, I had two patients come in that uh, just said they were wiped out after they were laying mulch because it was so hot. So, I mean, it's just a conversation I think you need to have with the patients, just about some common sense, keeping hydrated and things like that. Yeah, we've had a Go ahead, Dr. Adams. Yeah, I was just going to say, John, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? You know, we always tell our peripheral disease patients to, to exercise and to keep walking. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're almost spectrums of extremes, right? Um, it's very difficult to give specific recommendations except to be active. But if they, you know, there's several of our patients that are, are hyperactive, I guess you would say. They get out there in 90-degree weather and, as you said, do mulch, et cetera. And when they do that, it just raises their blood pressure. Um, and ultimately can cause adverse uh, adverse issues or effects with people who have vascular disease. And, you know, Kim mentioned just a second ago, it's not just their legs that we're looking at. Most of these guys, you know, it's almost like their house is the plumbing. They have blockages in other other realms, in their, in their neck, in their heart, in their legs. And so we got to be conscientious of stroke and heart attack. Um, so I think uh, I think it's it's uh, important for our patients to take our advice, um, but at the same point in time, they know their body's better than anyone else, and to do that happy medium of exercise but not overdoing it. And we have Heidi on the line here because she has questions exactly about what you were saying, that she's concerned with uh, with her heart, uh, especially with this extreme heat. Heidi, what's your question for the doctors? Hi. Um, hi. I, I'm concerned about being active in especially hot weather because um, I have I have both CAD and PAD, and apparently my heart can't be revascularized. Um, so I worry about everything I do, especially in the heat. Um, my results say that I have osteal to mid LED sixty percent stenosed and the um, left circumflex first obtuse marginal branch is seventy percent, and then the proximal RCA to mid RCA is fifty percent. But then there's apparently this problem with, it says about the very small branch vessels, and in brackets, it's less than a millimeter, that have significant stenosis. So I was told that they're not, uh, nobody's going to even go in and take a look anymore, and that there's nothing that can be done except medications, which I react to, you name it, everything. So I'm, wow. I worry about every activity that I do, you know, and especially in heat because it makes me hot, it makes me sweat, and I'm, I get dizzy, I, you know. Sure. Thank yeah. you, Heidi. Yeah. Heidi, it's a, it's important to obviously listen to your physicians. Um, yeah, it sounds like you have some blockage in the heart arteries. Uh, but uh, having said that, people that do have cardiovascular disease are at a greater risk for for you know a heat stroke or having uh, symptoms due to increased body body temperature. And so mm-hmm. we we always caution people uh, to be aware of the symptoms. And so 
heat exhaustion is kind of a form of heat sickness that can ultimately lead to heat stroke. And so heat stroke actually occurs when you have central nervous system um, symptoms. So you can be delirious or you can have difficulty moving your body. Um, you can lose consciousness. But other than that, look for symptoms of heat exhaustion. You know, you're sweating. Uh, you're kind of cool, feel clammy, fatigued. Some people can feel have be nauseated and, and, and faint. And so it's always important to, like we said, stay hydrated. You know, make sure if you are on medications that um, can lower your blood pressure, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're taking them, but, but take them at the right doses and just being cognizant of, of what the weather is like and how your body's reacting to it, as, as Dr. Adams said. Yes, so many. Thank you so much, Heidi. Um, so many different medications, Dr. Phillips, you were mentioning do have an impact on your toleration for, for heat. Um, you have medications that reduce your ability to sweat, antidepressants, um, even allergy drugs like Benadryl can have an impact on that. Um, dehydration medications include diuretics, water pills. So many of our patients um, are on water pills. There are also medications that increase the risk of sunburn, antibiotics, antifungals, diuretics again, abnormal heart rhythm drugs, NSAIDs, you know, things like naproxen or you even have Advil, um, acne medication, which I don't think any of our patients really have to worry about or hopefully not. Um, but also we do have several patients that are on chemotherapy drugs as well. Diabetes drugs can also um, increase risk of sunburn. So it's really important to ask your doctor or pharmacist um, critical questions about what your risks might be when it comes to your medications and the hot summer sun. Coming up in just a moment, we'll have more The Heart of Innovation. We have several callers waiting to get in. Again, if you want to give us a call and participate and ask Dr. Adams and Dr. Phillips questions, 1-888-367-5329. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back to the show. We are talking about fun in the sun and the impact on vascular disease, peripheral artery disease, stroke, um, also heart disease, 
uh, we have Dr. John Phillips here, and we also have Dr. George Adams here to answer questions uh, from anyone. We do have a, a caller on the line right now, Marsha from Ohio. What's your question for the doctors? Hi. Hi, Kim. Hi, doctors. Thank you for Hi. what you're doing for us. Hello. Um, yeah. So I just had um, an intervention on Monday, and they were able to stent one um, blockage. And there are two more that they didn't get to. Get to. One is a hundred percent block in my. Sorry, this is all new to me. Superficial femur, femoral. Um, it's a hundred percent blocked. But anyway, my question, I guess, is: is I felt really good the next day, but in the days since then, and I'm in Ohio, it's very warm, and, and it's been humid. Um, but I feel like I'm just getting zapped now, and I feel like I've decreased in my energy and ability um, as the days have gone on. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that and any recommendations. Great. I mean, I can start with this one if you'd like. So, you know, what's interesting is that typically people do feel better after they get the intervention. What's also interesting is your behavior changes. And so you you may start doing a little bit more exercise that you didn't realize you were doing before. And since you aren't completely revascularized, then you start feeling the pain from that 100% blockage in that superficial femoral. So the good thing is, is that you were initially active. So ultimately, I would imagine that they've got you signed up or you're going to have close follow-up with your physician. And now they can hopefully complete the revascularization um, and to give you the, give you more or less your life back. So you can continue to exercise and do the things you like to do. John, what do you think? No, I agree. And the only other comment I was going to make is sometimes our patients after the procedure have some swelling in the affected leg and they have a little bit of um, what we call kind of reperfusion syndrome where there's uh, now you're getting some blood flow that you didn't have and you might have some symptoms from that. But I agree 100 percent with Dr. Adams. Continue to exercise. Mother Nature is pretty smart. She'll tell you when you can you know, take it from uh, fourth gear to fifth gear, or if you got to downshift a little bit. So just listen to your body, and, and I, I hope you feel better. Thank you Fantastic. very much. Thank you, Marcia. Yeah, we wish you the best, and good luck on your next procedure. But stay cool in the meantime. You know, it's <laughs> interesting. We- it's a good day today <laughs> here, actually. <laughs> oh, Thank that's you. good. We like a little bit of a breeze. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> with, with peripheral artery disease patients especially, we always encourage them to walk, walk, walk. And when you're talking about getting outside, exerting your energy, and you have these comorbidities um, that are sensitive to, to the heat, it is really important to hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. And I know we feel like a broken record and we hear it all the time, um, but it actually, especially in peripheral artery disease patients, um, if it's warm outside, you're out there walking, you get dehydrated, you're going to start cramping up probably in your legs more easily. You're going to end up stopping more than starting more often than not. Yeah. I mean, and so the other comments I would make about hydration and, and Dr. Adams are curious to see what your thoughts are, but I, I tell my patients for the most part if, to stay hydrated with, with sports drinks. I mean, water is great. And obviously if that's all you have, use it. But if you can, maybe use Gatorade or something along those lines that have electrolytes because those kind of help balance the hydration in your body. Um, and they also kind of help keep your, as we call it, the, your natural electrical system um, that, that kind of co- governs your heartbeat because that's really part of the issues that patients have. If you, if you have a heat stroke, 
um, that's usually an arrhythmia of some problem. So it's important to keep those electrolytes. And the last thing I'll say is really try to avoid caffeine and, and a lot of alcohol. I mean, obviously it's 4th of July, people are going to be out grilling and things, but if you're drinking alcohol, be smart about it and, and make sure that you're hydrating as well. I'll yeah. hide my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so funny. It's so funny. I was uh, watching one of the TV shows this morning and they were talking about the 4th of July and everyone out barbecuing. And I was like, well, one, the heart healthy meal just kind of goes out the window when you're talking about hot dogs and hamburgers and everything else. And then on top of that, it's barely nine o'clock in the morning and they're showing people how to mix their drinks with the gin and the, you know, vodka <laughs> and everything <laughs> And taking sips themselves on there. And we're like, wait, don't do that. It's going to increase your chance of having a problem. <laughs> yeah, I wonder absolutely. which show is more fun to listen to today. <laughs> yeah, Ours, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I may switch over and see how to mix a drink. But but no, this is great. Um, but uh, just, to, just as an aside, just to give some reasons behind John's recommendations, who I, what I wholeheartedly agree with, is that alcohol and, and caffeine in particular makes you pee. It's a diuretic. So it can actually dehydrate you. So that's that's one of the reasons. It also, uh, the caffeine in particular, can cause your vessels to to react. It can cause them to spasm. So um, instead of having a nice plump vessel that can get blood to wherever you need it to, when you drink or when you take uh, eat chocolate or drink caffeinated drinks, it can spasm these vessels. Um, the uh, the last thing I would say is is I, I agree with John. You want to stay hydrated. The only people uh, that you got to be careful with with some of these sports drinks like Gatorade is people who have heart failure. And the reason why is there's sodium in these drinks and it'll hold on to water. So just be cognizant of that. So if you have a heart that doesn't pump effectively, and we call that heart failure, just be cognizant in, in the sense of using some sort of these some of these sports drinks. And you can look on the back of the drink; it'll tell you how much sodium is in these drinks. And nurse practitioner Kay is actually here, and she suggests, Kay, what do you suggest for patients in, in terms of, you know, hydrating and make, making sure they can reduce the claudication, the cramping? It's tonic yeah, water. It's tonic water, basically, and not to just take a glass and glug it, but to sip it constantly while you're walking, and it gradually feeds down into the muscle, and there's quinine in tonic water, and that really assists with claudication pain. You know, what's interesting is one of um, our fellow patients in the group said that mustard actually helps on a hot day with claudication. Have you heard that? I have I see heard the that doctors one. nodding right now. <laughs> You've heard that yeah. before. Why is yeah, that? Yep. I have a patient, and we may have to go into break, but I have a patient who uh, he's a, a ref for any uh, for basketball, and he takes a, a spoonful of mustard before he's running up and down the court, and it helps uh, it helps him with his cramps. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it works. It works. Well, I just learned something new. Well, stay with us right here at the Heart of Innovation. Give us a call. We can get to you and your questions right after the break. one 367 888-367-5329. Stay with us. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Dr. David Alper, and I'm here once again with footnotes from thewaytomyheart.org. And today we're going to talk about going to the podiatrist. Why are we going to the podiatrist? Well, it's well known that folks with diabetes and peripheral arterial disease, PAD, are very prone to having problems with their feet. And the earlier that you get there, 
the better you're able to prevent the problem, or if you have a problem, keep it to a minimum. So, how do you find a podiatrist? Well, you can speak to your primary physician. You can go to www.apma.org and click under Find a Podiatrist. You can speak to friends, but it's very important that you get the right podiatrist. Podiatrists come in a lot of different flavors. There are those that specialize in sports medicine. There are those that do surgery. And there are those that do medical work and deal with wounds. And this is the type that you want to have. When you call to make the appointment, you want to make sure that you're going to the right one, and you also want to make sure that this podiatrist has an association with a hospital that has a vascular department, so that if you do need a referral, there is a relationship that you have there. When you prepare to go to the podiatrist, make sure you take your nail polish off. It's very important for the health of your feet to be able to see your nails and the skin underneath. You also want to bring three pairs of shoes. You want to bring something that you work in, something that you play in, and the hot date Saturday night shoes because you need to show the podiatrist what you're doing with your feet. You need to show them the equipment. You also want to bring a couple pairs of socks, something short, something a little longer, so that they can see again. Are you squeezing too much in your calves? Are they too loose? What is the material made of? Are you breathing properly? All this gives a great picture of how you're treating your feet. It's very important to have a podiatrist as part of your medical team, just like you have an ophthalmologist for your eyes, you have an endocrinologist if you have diabetes, and of course your primary physician. Early intervention is the proper way to avoid problems. My name is Dr. David Alper. For further information, reach out to the American Podiatric Medical Association at apma.org, the American Diabetes Association at diabetes.org, and of course the Way to My Heart at thewaytomyheart.org. Thank you for joining me. We look forward to seeing you with the next footnotes. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Again, our call-in number, 1-888-367-5329. Give us a call if you have any questions for Dr. John Phillips or Dr. George Adams, both interventional cardiologists, and here to answer your questions about fun in the sun and the impact on your vascular health. Um, We do have a couple questions coming in, actually, online. We have one from Sheila. She is asking about whether tanning beds are okay if you have vascular issues such as peripheral artery disease? Uh, you know, that's an interesting question. In in general, I'm not a huge fan of tanning beds. I, I don't know that there's any uh, total, complete contraindication to doing it if you have peripheral vascular disease. Uh, but just you have to be careful about the UV radiation, I think, that, that, that you're getting in, in the tanning bed. I agree with John, you know, the tanning bed is a little bit more controlled rather than just being out in the sun. But at the same point in time, it's controlled and we know you're getting that UV light. So I think dermatologically, dermatologically, (laughs) it's more of an issue rather than cardiovascularly. Yeah, definitely. You always want to be careful uh, because of the increase for um, skin cancer. And that that is a big concern. Um, And especially we see a lot of... um, patients who end up with chemo that ultimately end up with cardiovascular disease because of the chemo. So it it becomes this downward spiral. So really it can start in the tanning bed and and making sure that you are protecting yourself and limiting that exposure 
to any anything that could cause the skin cancer. Um, we have Tony who's online as well, and she wants to know how patients reduce their inflammation and will reducing inflammation help slow the progression of the disease and is can inflammation be exacerbated by the heat of the summer sun? That's a great, that's a really good question. You know, Kim, if you think about every pathologic process in the body, it revolves around inflammation. So our goal as vascular specialists is to reduce that um, inflammation that happens in the body. And that's most of the medicines that we're giving are trying to reduce that inflammatory cascade. Um, so when you, in, and if you think about it, the comorbidities that predispose people to vascular disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, smoking, all of those increase inflammation that ultimately progresses the vascular disease burden. John, what's your thoughts? Uh, I agree. And, and I think, so the issue with heat-related illness is when that when the body's what we call the thermoregulatory system starts to fail. So your core temperature goes up, and when you get above 104-ish degrees, I mean that's that's when you can get hyperthermia, and that's when the inflammatory state goes up. I think you you can have issues um, with your heart rate getting too fast. You start to sweat. You're breathing fast, and I think that probably kicks off some inflammatory responses as well. We know that there are certain patients that have impaired uh, thermoregulation. Um, the elderly, those that are obese, are at higher risk. So it's important to just kind of understand if you have increased risk for problems with too much exposure to high temperatures or humidity. Any thoughts on cooling the body and reducing these risks? during the hot summer. Yes. So the, the, the most effective way to treat any heat related illness is to, is to cool, cool the body. And, and, you know, studies, they use marathoners or people that do kind of extreme athletic events and, and and try to cool them. Uh, So ice packs. Now, typically ice packs were thought to be most effective in the growing area, the neck, um, you know, in the armpits, However, recent there's been some data, and I was doing a little re- bit of research on this. Actually, putting an ice pack on the palms of your hands or the palms of your feet or your cheeks ah. reduces or allows the body temperature to, to drop quicker than that of in the in the more um, traditional areas in the neck and the growing. So, when I'm actually at the gym working out in hot weather and it's and it's really humid, I have ice packs that I that I run with. Um, you know, I put on my hands. So it's important to try to cool yourself off. And in the best situation, you would jump into or get yourself into a complete immersion in, in ice. But that's usually usually not possible. And we have Monique that actually is, is on the line right now. And she has a quick question before we go to break. Monique, you want to jump in? Hi. Sure. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize the topic before because I came in late. But I'm wondering about, like, uh, peripheral artery disease and the injuries it causes to the muscle and tendons. I'm having a lot of tendon problems, like in my shoulders, in my wrists, in my Achilles tendon. I'm having Morton's neuromas, and I'm having the peripheral artery disease plus severe osteoarthritis. Yeah, probably exacerbated by the heat as well, and potential uh, We don't have any heat here. Oh, and you don't have any heat. <laughs> Doctors, do you want to jump in with any thoughts before we run to break? Yeah, real quick. So peripheral arterial disease affects the muscle directly. 
What's interesting with Monique is, is if she's getting Achilles issues, that means that she may be exercising, which is helpful to help ward off the progression of peripheral disease, uh, which I commend her for. But when, when you do have Achilles tendonitis or something along those lines, you have to rest that, um, uh, that tendon because it can rupture and it can get worse. So uh, make sure you do that, but you're doing all the right things. Great. Thank you so much, Monique. And we will be right back in just a moment after these messages. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Jill Somerset from Washington State. And today we are talking about how to diagnose peripheral arterial disease or PAD which is restricted blood flow in the leg arteries due to plaque buildup. If you have leg pain while walking that goes away with rest, or if you have pain in your feet at night that wakes you up and it feels better when you dangle your legs over the side of the bed, or if you get up and walk and it feels better, you might have PAD or PAD. So how does your doctor know for sure that you have this? First, your doctor may order a simple ankle brachial index test, or it's called an ABI. And a vascular technologist, just like myself, will put blood pressure cuffs on your legs and your arms. We do this so we can measure the difference between the two pressures. And we do a calculation. When you get a reading between 0.6 and 1.0, that indicates mild to moderate PAD or PAD. A reading below 0.5 is certainly more serious, and a reading above 1.4 is also abnormal. And that means that the arteries cannot be compressed by the blood pressure cuff due to that hard calcium buildup in your arteries. So the ABI can also offer a false normal result if you have that heavy calcium in your arteries due to diabetes. So if you are experiencing leg pain, it's very important to ask your doctor to follow up with a leg artery ultrasound. And this is when we put some gel on the surface of your legs and use a probe to take a look inside the arteries. The sound waves from the probe are used to produce an image inside of your arteries, like taking pictures. And this will give us a more accurate picture as to where your arteries are narrowed or maybe blocked. If you get the results from your physician, you may see a preliminary assessment offered by the vascular technologist as well. A more advanced method of diagnosing advanced PAD or PAD is slowly being integrated around the world. And that's a new novel test called pedal acceleration time or PAT. Pedal means the foot. And inside the foot, there are foot vessels that can also be blocked. So I've developed this direct imaging tool using ultrasound of the pedal vessels that can give doctors more information about blood flow all the way to the toes, looking at the vessels in your foot. Now, not all facilities have this advanced testing available, but if you have advanced peripheral arterial disease known as critical limb ischemia or CLI, it is worth asking your doctor if their vascular technologist can learn and apply this new technique to your ultrasound. 
This technique is called pedal acceleration time or PAT. I am Jill Somerset from Washington State with this week's medical notepad. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. For joining us, I'm here with my esteemed co-host and and, uh, PAD warrior colleague, Kim, and uh, my good friend and interventional cardiologist, George Adams, Dr. George Adams. Um, This is my favorite segment of the show. I'm a little biased, but this is our Save My Piggies uh, segment where we interact with a patient. We hear their stories about their disease process, and and I'm I'm really delighted to have a a friend of mine and a patient that I've known for four, six, almost six years, I think now. Uh, Bill Bill is joining us, and and Bill is, in my opinion, uh, a gentleman that has, he's, he's had progressive um, vascular disease. He's, he's got blockages in the neck arteries um, and, and in the legs. He is someone who has persevered through his PAD, uh, and I think he's an inspiration to, to all those that we talk about, that you know, those that have PAD but kind of struggle a little bit with walking. So, Bill, thanks for joining us. Can you just start off by sharing your journey uh, with respect to your, your vascular disease, you know, where it initially started and, and how, how you got actually to come see me, what, four or five years ago? Well, it started, John, with um, I had um, one of my carotid arteries got really bad. And um, I remember going and seeing a doctor about it, and it, it was like, okay, you got to have surgery. To what he, he basically said, what are you doing tomorrow? It was that bad. Wow. And um, I had that done, and then um, I've had stents put in both my left leg and right leg. Then I had the other carotid done. Um, then the left leg, the blockage came back, and they tried to do a graft from my right leg to the left leg below the blockage and unfortunately both of those incisions became infected and we lost the graft and at that point basically I was told we have no more surgical procedures that we can do on you you're done that's it it's over but there's so many people, I'm going to stop you there, at that point that will give up and say, I trust my doctor because I like them. They're at a big name facility. What was the catalyst for you that sparked you to say, hey, you know what? I'm not giving up. There has to be something else out there for me. Well, I, I'm not a quitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm, 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 not, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit on this. I will tell you that both that my mother had terrible PAD. And it was part of the, her demise at the end. And her mother died when my mother was 16 years old from, back then they called it hardening of the arteries. Mm-hmm. And she had a heart attack when my mother was 16 and died. So, I mean, we have a lot of family history with this disease, unfortunately. And um, but, but, Bill, we were, so you and I met in 2016, and right. we spent time fixing the right side and because yep. you had more symptoms on that side, you felt better there. Then we then we focused on the left side. 
Right. And that's when the issue came about where the left side blocked off and we thought, okay, let's, we, we did what we call a hybrid procedure. So I, I did a little work with some stents. We had our surgeon clean out one of the blockages in, in the, near the growing. And then that got infected and it closed off. And then we had to do the bypass that ultimately didn't work. But so we kind of, you and I had that conversation. We had, we, we exhausted, I think, durable and, and appropriate repairs for you, whether it be surgical or stents, but your legs were blocked up and you were still having issues and you were having a hard time walking. And I remember being in the office and this was like in 2020 where you, you were frustrated, definitely. And we had that heart to heart about like, Hey, let's start, let's start walking. And, and, and you just kind of kept walking and that's where, you know, you really inspired me that you can do this. Right. Well, my program started, you know, uh, basically I, I don't know if you can see it behind me, but my treadmill is right behind me. Yep. And I do, I go on the treadmill two or three times a day now. Um, and I am up to walking a half a mile without rest, which I was, I believe the last time I saw you, I was doing. And then I had the third COVID shot and I went back down to a tenth of a mile was the most I could could walk, but I've since October when I had that shot, I have worked back up to a half a mile, and my goal now is to get up to a mile. Um, and in addition to that, I generally take my dog for a walk every day too. And so. coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we're going to hear how he stays motivated. So stay with us. My name is John Dent. I'm from West Virginia. I have peripheral artery disease. I'm also a deputy sheriff. With my time in corrections and my time on the road, I've got about 20 years in law enforcement. And in that line of work, uh, peripheral artery disease, and uh, being a road deputy or police officer out on the street, uh, don't jail real good together. Uh, I've always been an active guy. Uh, My whole life, I've always been a big guy. And even in the academy, I was 275 pounds. I was the biggest guy in the academy. But at the time, I every morning, I outran everyone. Now, I think at the time, I had just started developing peripheral artery disease because I'd noticed a couple of times when I'd been running, I'd had a little bit of cramps in, in my calves. What, 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 I, what I dismissed as cramps. I could sit down for a, few, for a few minutes, you know, not a few seconds like usually when you're getting your breath, but a few minutes. And I could go right back to it. My feet felt very comfortable, very warm, very good. For about three minutes, they started hurting again. So I knew something was going on there. So one day, I, you know, all of a sudden, man, I got outside of my, my, my cruiser, and my leg just seized up completely. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. Man, it just felt like my leg was in a vice. About that time, I think he was my lieutenant at the time. He's captain now. But... Um, he showed up, took me to the hospital. He knew immediately, as soon as I got in the car, he said, man, you got a blood clot. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I, I've tore a muscle. And he was like, no, you got a blood clot. Once I get to the hospital, you know, we, we have a, a tough night. They went in like maybe six different times to try to get rid of this blood clot and couldn't. And uh, finally, I went into compartment syndrome, and uh, that led to me having to have a, a fasciotomy. And 
after I had my fasciotomy and everything, I pushed myself and I started walking and uh, I was on the right track. And then all of a sudden I started noticing my, those, those pains in my calf were getting worse and worse and worse. And the further I'd walk, man, my leg just felt like it was dead. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't hardly take it. So uh, I had a cut on the bottom of my foot and it wouldn't heal. And I'm, I, and I'm telling you, it was, it was not a bad cut, but it just never, it, nothing was changing on it. So I go to the vascular surgeon. He's telling me, he said, uh, we're going to go in for the stand in. You're going to be 100%. You're going to be great. You'll, 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 you'll live happily ever after. Start talking to him about peripheral arteries. He's like, I don't know if that's what you got or not. Okay. So he goes in, he comes out, and I'm about halfway awake during this procedure. And I hear him say, this ain't good. He went right out there and he told my mom, my dad, my sister, and my brother, hey, yeah, we're going to have to amputate his leg. And I said, well, he may have said that, but he ain't going to. I said, I, my leg don't be cut off. I'm good. And uh, they got me a, a second opinion. Of, and uh, he started discussing and uh, talking to me about uh, the exercises that I was doing. And man, he didn't come out and say it, but I was thinking to myself, he's telling me that I'm creating blood. I'm making my own blood flow. I started looking into, you know, and found out about collateral veins. And the harder you work, even if you have great blood flow, once you get so much blood flow in into your arteries and stuff, it's too much for it. So what happens is it starts making collateral veins and uh, making its own passage. And that's what I, I decided then. I thought, that's how I'm gonna save that leg. Well, that was three years ago. Um, yeah, more than that now, and uh, I feel like I'm a success story because I was told I'd be uh, I'd be an amputee. I was told I'd have to have a new line of work, but I'm still a police officer and I'm still doing my thing. And I think every one of us, um, no matter how bad this is or how hard we try, I think every one of us can beat this or at least live with it comfortably. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Here with Bill with the Save My Piggies portion of the uh, broadcast. Bill, we were kind of talking on, at, at break, right? Like we, I told you we had exhausted a lot of options for you, and, and, I, and I didn't feel like more surgeries or stents were going to be that beneficial Yes, you're going to have pain when you walk, and it was pretty tough to get motivated. But what do you say to somebody who just gets that news and and they get kind of depressed about it and think, man, I, there's nothing that can be done. I'm just not going to be able to walk again. I'm going to throw the towel in. How, how do you stop them from throwing the towel in? Well, I can tell you that through my own experience, the walking works. So, you know, I've been through it. I've you know, I, I couldn't walk 200 yards without stopping and resting before. And now, obviously, I can do a half a mile without resting. So I will just tell you that the walking program does work. And the more you walk, the better you're going to feel, the better, the less pain you're going to have. I still have pain. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I and I'm still a, a chronic pain patient. But um, things are not as bad as they were in 2020. So right. And you still, you still have... Yep. 
Right, and you don't give up. You got to put the time in, and you still you have all your piggies, right? I have ten. Yeah, that's good. That is very good. That's always. We even have people though that don't have all ten, but they're still out there. They're pushing it every day, and they're so inspired by you, Bill. Um, thank you for inspiring us all. And all we ask is give it six weeks, right, Doctor Adams? Because that's really when you start to feel those collateral vessels that have been laying dormant finally start to work for you the more you're walking. Yeah, I agree with you, Kim. And, you know, Bill and John are a testament um, toward, uh, you know, exercise. And if you don't use it, you lose it, right? So, um, you know, they've just made it real. So I agree wholeheartedly. Fantastic. But just, you know, this whole show has been all about um, making sure you're safe in the sunshine, especially when you have vascular disease. And again, it's so important. I know you hear it all the time, but to hydrate. We had nurse practitioner Kay earlier today talking about the importance of tonic water. If you can also, um, you know, and have permission from your doctor to drink some of those electrolyte drinks as well, that can help. Um, any other final tips as, as we close up for today and let everyone enjoy the 4th of July weekend? I'll just say real quickly, heat stroke is a medical emergency. If you are out in the sun and you feel like your heart's racing, you're getting dizzy, you don't feel you're confused, you're having fever, get out of the get out of the heat. You know, try to get some a cool drink of water, get some, you know, apply some cool a compress, something to the skin and and just don't ignore the symptoms because it can be life threatening. And Dr. Adams, what should send you to the emergency room? Yeah, so anything that's progressive, right? So those things that John just said, but remember that vascular disease is a system issue. It's just not your leg. So if you start getting chest pain, shortness of breath, that is progressive. It's getting worse or it's lasting longer or neurologic deficits, then yeah, you need to get your need to get yourself to the emergency room. And nurse practitioner Kay, any final thoughts? Yeah, go out and enjoy yourself. But anybody with autoimmune conditions, take Take extra care because the sun will really affect your skin as well as your internal system. So just take care of yourselves while you're enjoying your your holiday weekend. Yes. Well, everyone, it's been really amazing. And Bill, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Monique and Heidi and all of the folks that also chimed in today. We appreciate your courage, your perseverance, and for participating in today's show. If you want more information and you want to actually listen to previous shows, go to theheartofinnovation.org. Jim, it was a great show. Dr. Adams, thanks for joining us. Bill, thanks, everybody. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. 
The heart of innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own health care team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.